Welcome to What's That About? This week we're discussing solitary confinement. Now, in Australia, solitary confinement is called either the pound or the slot, which is interesting because if I had to go to jail, I'd want to get put in solitary confinement just to avoid getting pounded in the slot. Thank you! (laughs) (laughs) That is terrible. Play the music. Um, so let's just address the elephant in the room right now. Yep. Uh, Luke, how are you? Very yeah, nice. Good. That is an 80s joke. Straight from the 80s. Got him. Got him uh, a beauty. Terrible. Nah, I'm sounding a bit different. I'm sounding a little bit sexy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've got a cold and my voice has seen better days. So it is what it is and it'll be easier. I often get people commenting that they can't tell the difference between me and Luke. I'm the one that sounds more like a man is what I'm going <laughs> to say now. <laughs> I'm a bit more manly. There's a bit more bass and resonance to my voice right now. Enough about your voice, though, even though it is sounding quite arousing. Um, Thanks very much. (laughs) Big news during the week. Do we need Mm. to get a little bit of a drum roll happening or something? Let's do it. Okay, drum roll, please. We got a bloody email. We got an email. I cannot believe it. Well done, everyone. I think that's <laughs> well done, it's a team effort. We've all put in the hard yards. We've been doing this podcast for five years. And we have... We've, it's not the first email, but good grief, it's been a while. It's been a it, long it, it time. might be the last, but we'll take this win. This is a big moment for us. Get in there. So... Wow. The lovely Haley from the United States of America has written us a fantastic email, which I'm not going to lie... Made my bloody year. Very good. Very good. Very good. We appreciate it. And she essentially said that we were begging so much during one of the episodes. <laughs> she she threw us a pity email, basically. And, still and I'm counts. happy to receive it. Absolutely receive still it. counts. Yeah. Thanks, Hales. If you feel like sending some pity our way, drop us an email. Uh, you know, if we've made you laugh while learning, don't hate us for it. Just uh, give, give us give us an email. I basically I said, you know, a very polite email back. Thanks for contacting us. We really appreciate it. If you have any topics you want us to do, email us back. Haven't heard back yet. Uh, <laughs> 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 two emails would be two. Let's keep in touch. Uh, <laughs> You're going to be doing a drive-by shortly. Yeah. Hales, what's, what's going on? H? Yeah. H. <laughs> So the the topic today, solitary confinement, was actually suggested to us. This is a big week for us. This is a topic suggestion by our brother in New Zealand. Solitary yeah. confinement. It'd be a better if the suggestion wasn't from a relative. Still counts. American. Still counts. Uh, no. I don't know if it does. <laughs> yeah. Mum hasn't suggested one, but the, the, the brother's come, come to save the day. Yeah. So true. I reckon our brother's thinking, you know, pandemic, shutdowns, lots of people are isolated, and obviously, solitary confinement is a bit of an extreme version of, of feeling isolated. So, I think that's his train of thought at the moment. That's where this has come from. Yeah, it has, it's a different take on solitary confinement. But, uh, you know, some people in the extreme shutdown areas wouldn't get much contact with... If you're living alone, you'd be pretty isolated. Very true. You know, as a quick side point before we get into mm. it, you know, one of the things I've noticed and on any TV show or any conversation about loneliness or isolation... There's always one person that makes the point that there's a difference between loneliness and being alone. 
And they always say it with a smugness. So they're the first person that's ever made that distinction. Have you, yeah, have you noticed that? So there's a group of sayings that people say and they say it, you know, it's this like standard thing people say and they say it like it's the first time it's been said. Yeah, it's like they're Yoda. Uh, they just sit back and just smugly go, oh, just let that sink in, that little pearl of wisdom. Like, we've heard that a thousand times now. You know, yeah. it, it is a fast track to loneliness making that distinction every time like, like it's the first time. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> anyway, I got that out of my system, sorry. Now, Don, mm-hmm. solitary yeah. confinement. Hit us with the, uh, the double D, the Don's definition. All right. Solitary confinement is the practice of isolating people in closed cells for 22 to 24 hours a day, virtually free of human contact for periods of time ranging from days to decades. That's big time. So it's generally, it's happening in prisons. Yeah, exactly right. It's, it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's a segregation tactic for prisons. Um, and apparently in prisons, they don't call it solitary confinement. They call it either segregation or... Restrictive housing, which is <laughs> one of the great euphemisms of our time. And the reasons they get put into solitary confinement can vary from being in danger themselves. So I think a lot of pedophiles end up in solitary confinement because they're in danger of getting harmed by other prisoners or even exhibiting mental illness symptoms or, you know, picking fights, being a general troublemaker. There's a lot of different ways you can end up in solitary confinement. Yeah, that's right. So it's either... It's a, it's a form of punishment for bad behavior. Because, like, if you're in prison and you get in trouble, where are they going to put you? What are they going to do with you? They've got no way to escalate it. So they can. Put- have they, I'll, I'll just go in there and say, have you considered a naughty corner? <laughs> I think that's something that they need to just explore and see if there's any legs to it. <laughs> it is a bit like just when for you some put thinking you- time, you've made some bad decisions <laughs> off to the corner. <laughs> when you put, send your kid to their room and they keep mucking up, you're like, well, now I've got nowhere to go. I think that's that was the the seed of where solitary confinement came from in a prison yeah. context. <laughs> yeah, they're already in, they're already in the room. Yeah. <laughs> or the other, you're right. Where it's to keep someone safe, either safe from others trying to harm them, or safe from themselves if they're not um, behaving rationally, or if they're suicidal or something. Yeah. And then apparently, there's a whole bunch of other reasons they do it, such as if it's if the prison's too crowded, or, or a whole bunch of things that are, are, are a bit left field that are. Uh, are pretty concerning that you put people in solitary confinement because really? there's nowhere else just to put you, them. because there's nowhere else for them to go. That's yeah, a, that's right. That's a worry. And so the, the the cell itself, the solitary confinement cell, they reckon is about as big as a horse stable. So about seven square metres. There might be a toilet and a sink in there. You know, you might be let out to exercise if, if you're lucky. Sometimes they let you have reading materials. Other times they don't. Mm. And you might get escorted by a guard to have a shower very occasionally. So the only human contact you have when you're in the um, in the hole is the guards giving you food or, or moving you for basic functions. Yeah. So it's pretty full on. And so it actually began, just talking about no reading material, it began in the 1700s and religious groups, including the Quakers, thought that isolating people in the cells with a Bible would lead to repentance and rehabilitation. It's so you'd rather have no book. Wouldn't you rather have no book? <laughs> wouldn't you? If that's your only reading material. <laughs> I read the same thing where they were like, there was actually, it actually started out with the good intentions because they used to publicly flog people and, and shame them. And the right. Quakers were like, well, maybe we can rehabilitate them better if they have time to think about their crimes and, and you know, learn the way of the Lord. But then they quickly learned that, no, this was not helping people at all. And it was actually making things a lot worse. So the Quakers stopped doing it. And then it, yeah, it was basically it was basically abandoned by the yeah. early 1900s. No one used it. They realized it didn't work. 
they saw it as unethical and ineffective. Yeah. And because it was also costlier having people sort of segregated. And then it really came back with a vengeance in the 80s and 90s with the whole war on drugs and, you know, a much more harder stance is when it came back into vogue, particularly in the US. Yeah, exactly right. I think it was um, Clinton, I think, that kind of Bill Clinton that pushed through lots and lots of hard kind of law and order stuff where that's where the supermax prisons kind of came through and they're effectively prisons built around solitary confinement where everyone has their own little cell with they're not allowed out of the cell for more than an hour a day so it's almost like we were more evolved and wise you know 150 years ago than we are now we've kind of gone backwards in how we're handling rehabilitation in prison yeah so obviously from one perspective like if you're a prison administrator and you are putting people in solitary confinement, you think, why are they doing that? And so they're the, what they would say the pros of solitary confinement are that sometimes it's the only way to keep someone alive. It makes it more difficult for a prisoner to escape because you're kind of escaping from a prison within a prison. Mm. And sometimes um, it's the only way that you can um, kind of influence someone to behave. You need a, you need a stick Otherwise, you might not be able to get them to behave. So that's kind of the three reasons that people are in favour of it. And even like the United Nations, they've come out and said, we're not asking for solitary confinement to be eradicated. We just want it to be used less often and for shorter periods of time. So they... Yeah, I they, think the, the UN came out and basically called it torture if it lasted more than 15 days. That's right, yeah. So the, the people that have been in solitary confinement for 40 years, so the UN are saying... Keep it to, to no more than 15 days. Only use it when you absolutely have to use it. But we're not going to the step of saying we're going to outlaw it. And that's the thing that's I think the advocates that are really against it are concerned because it's it's all administered internally to the prison. There's no court that, that tells a prison they can and cannot punish someone in that way. So it's yeah. it's 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 based, there's no oversight, there's no regulation. And so it's kind of all happening in the shadows and there are a lot, a lot of people really concerned about how much it's getting used because of the impacts of it, which we'll get to in a minute. So I was looking at a an organisation called Spear have a website and they have a few interesting stats on the ineffectiveness of solitary confinement. So it says states that reduce their use of isolation in prisons by up to 75% saw significant decreases in prison violence. When Mississippi reduced the number of people held in solitary confinement from 1,000 to 150, incidents of violence within the facility decreased by almost 70%. Mm. That's huge. Um, it's huge. So it is, you know, it's it's torturous, but it's also just not effective. It's not even effective. Yeah. It costs more. It makes them behave less. It actually, there's literally no good aspects to it, really. No. The, it's like, like the whole smacking debate. You can get caught up for ages in conversations about is smacking, you know, something you should do to your kids or not. But the research shows it just doesn't work. It's not effective, which is kind of the, you know, the, the, the conversation that's probably a little bit more pragmatic. Um, and it sounds like solitary confinement is is quite similar. That could that could be a good topic for another episode, smacking your kid, actually. Do, do, do topic suggestions from the host count? They do. And I'm going to email it to ourselves after the, after the episode. And I expect a drum roll and trumpets as well, please. I thought you said crumpets. <laughs> I'll take crumpets. <laughs> Delicious. But yeah, but with smacking as well. We'll we'll tackle that later on. Don't, but don't use all your material on smacking now. No, no, no. I was just gonna say, as with solitary confinement, it actually makes the children worse, is what I've read. 
That's just what um, I said. If you smack them. <laughs> yeah, but I, I said it in my sexy voice. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously the the negatives of solitary confinement, are we said there's a, it doesn't really work. It makes people more violent. It makes people more likely to reoffend. It makes people more likely to um, harm themselves, harm other people. Um, and so the, the, the stuff for me, at least, and this is kind of more my, uh, more my interest. So get yourself a little pillow, get yourself a little, little what do you call those <laughs> things that cover your eyes when you need to go to sleep? Eye mask, are they? Okay, get yourself an eye mask, get one of those neck pillows when you're on the flight. The psychological impacts of solitary confinement are horrid. Like it just, that combination of sensory deprivation and lack of human contact causes so many issues and changes the structures of your brain in really concerning ways. Like it just reminds you how social we are as a species. Like if you like if you if you put a Labrador in a cupboard, it's not gonna be it's not gonna cope in that. And we're a bit the same, I reckon, with solitary confinement. Well they've done studies on mice and it was way over my head, but essentially the mice that were in isolation, they had twenty percent less neurons by the end of it compared yeah. to mice who were sort of socializing normally oh yeah it's, so it's it will profound. physically change your your body yeah exactly right like i read stuff about with with humans when they've and one of the things that's interesting about a lot of the research they when they talk about the effects of solitary confinement they're actually basing it on lonely older people just in the community because mm. it's very difficult to study prisoners in solitary confinement because you can't get into the cell to ask them questions. So often they follow them up when they're, when they're back in the community or in the out of solitary confinement. And they found two things that were really interesting. One is people that spend a long time in solitary confinement have a smaller hippocampus. So that bit of the brain that's responsible for learning and memory and spatial awareness is physically smaller. Mm. And they have a much more active amygdala, so your your kind of your your fear and primal emotion center. So it's changing these very important structures of your brain. And then there's just a shopping list of of issues around, obviously, depression, anxiety, hallucinations, panic attacks, paranoia, hypersensitivity, nightmares, concentration problems, dizziness, you know, heart palpitations, trembles. Like, it's just an absolute shopping list of things that can go bad when you're spending too long by yourself with no human contact. It's really awful once you you read through it. And these effects can come on after 72 hours. (laughs) (laughs) Just joking. Just joking. Sorry. Go on. Keep going. Sorry. They can come on after 72 hours. This thing's going for 72 hours. (laughs) (laughs) And after three or four weeks... Sometimes some of the effects are hard to reverse. So you imagine if you've been in there for years and I've read um, case studies online of people that were in there for 40 years. Yeah, hard to imagine. And they described what it was like re-entering the community and you just feel so sorry for them. You finished? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Absolutely. You know, like, (laughs) sorry. I had a drink and a little nap. (laughs) Came back, mowed the lawn. That was good. I felt like I was in solitary confinement for a minute. I was just talking to myself. What I a- wished I was in solitary confinement for a minute there. <laughs> All righty. What, what else have you got? Um, so, self-harm was really common in people in isolation. So, self-harm was seven times higher among the inmates where 7% of the jail population was confined in isolation. <laughs> you've just said, you've said a lot of sevens then. <laughs> <laughs> I sure did. 
Um, <laughs> and, and, and if you're watching the movie Seven, that just puts things over the edge. <laughs> um, not good. Not, not good, good is the is the summary. Yeah. Solitary confinement, bad. Not good is the take home message. <laughs> yeah, the TLDR. That's what my uh, as I was walking in, my wife was like, "What are you going to say about solitary confinement?" And I've gone, eh, "Not good. Not not good is is kind of the summary. <laughs> it's basically all there is. It's actually worse for women as well. Did you read into that? Yes, it does. Yeah, it's kind of every, everything the same, but just worse for women. Okay, you go on another rant. I'm going to go and um, <laughs> just watch an episode of Mama's Family. And Mama's family, <laughs> as a seventies reference. <laughs> um, but as I was entering the, the 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 podcast room, the my wife said, "Why do monks enjoy solitary confinement?" Because I spent all this time researching well, this... the effects of prisoners. I'm like, "Oh, you got me there. You got me." This reminds me of a time our great aunt, who was very much a straight shooter, too damn straight, you could argue. When you were going to go to India and do a voluntary yoga, a so, silent yoga retreat for like three weeks, was it? It was a 10-day silent meditation retreat, not yoga. And she could not fathom why someone would go there not to speak. It was, when we all wish she would go there not to speak. <laughs> I remember her saying, why would you want to do that for? Yeah, was, she couldn't. I didn't actually have any way of explaining it without sounding like a massive... Kind of hippie. Like, I did not know, did not, <laughs> did not know how to communicate it. Yeah. It was one of the great conversations. <laughs> but I did, just before we came on with the monk, the, the monks in solitary confinement question, I did do a quick Google before we logged on around why do monks handle it and prisoners don't. And the quick response I got was because monks have trained themselves to get to the point where they can be in solitary confinement and a, uh, a meditation retreat or a kind of wilderness area is not a prison cell was the the the, the quick answer to that question. Yeah, that's true. They have a choice as well. Yeah. And essentially, from my limited understanding, they're actually testing themselves, I guess. Um, so, it's a voluntary a voluntary thing, which must have a big difference on your, on the psychology of it all. Yeah. And you're not going from the old two minute on the smiling mind app one morning a, a week to the full uh, solitary confinement meditation for, for 10 years. Yeah, they're, they're training yeah. themselves for a long time to get to that point. Yeah, exactly. So, I know what you're wondering. So, what are the alternatives, Lukey? What well, are the... <laughs> could, have could you, have ask, you you've done I this? I still think the naughty corner is an option. <laughs> I'm not gonna, not willing to rule that out at this point. <laughs> the research is not coming on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a bit of naughty corner before a little lunch and we'll see what happens. <laughs> you know, I was... The, you know, I think we've spoken about this before that... If you were to go to prison, how would you play the situation? And which yep. which gang would you try to align with? And I think at the time I might have even said my strategy would be to go direct to solitary confinement for my own safety because I would be so petrified in prison. Like I get, if I, if I walk past the bus stop and there are teenagers with hoodies and a skateboard, I get a little nervous. I'm not going to cope in prison. I don't think you'd cope either. And I'll t- <laughs> nah. Well, there was that TV show. Remember the TV show? It was on SBS, which is an Australian... Ah, it's like an Australian-funded... It has a bit more multicultural um, programming. Mm-hmm. And there was a show about a bunch of civilians who were sent into jail for... Was it a month or so? 60 days. 60 days in. 60 days. Yeah. 60 days in. That's what it's called. Yeah. And there was one guy who was very overconfident... And he was full of bravado, but he must have realized very quickly, like, this is the real deal here and I'm in trouble. And he essentially 
tampered with the camera to get put in solitary confinement, mm-hmm. and he was visibly afraid. Yep. To go back into the general population, Gen Pop. Yeah, Gen, very much. Gen Pop. <laughs> <laughs> I love a Gen Pop reference. Love a Gen Pop reference. Yeah, I remember that episode and I always remember thinking, yep, that's exactly what I would do. Um, yeah, but I would be honest about, I'm really scared. I don't want to be here. But he couldn't do that. He didn't want to lose face like that. Yeah, but I imagine the guards wouldn't go, oh, you're feeling scared. Let me protect you. But I reckon the guards would be like, nah, everyone's scared here. Get over it. Like you'd have to do something a little bit mischievous to get put there. Yeah. Or I guess you could say this person made a specific threat against me. I probably thought about this a little bit too much, how, how I would. Uh... <laughs> so besides the naughty corner, and I could I could hear people taking notes when you were talking there. Yep. Um, what are some of the things that countries have tried to reduce their reliance on solitary confinement? So one is um, obviously just using it less for shorter periods of time. Two is less crowded pris- prisons and differently structured prisons. So instead of um, the supermax style, just trying to get people gathered in small groups a bit more. Um, three is better medical treatments and prison programs and education and rehab and actually stuff that's that's helpful and supportive and structured rather than um, the opposite. Well, what I read that was the most successful is actually treating patients' mental illness in a proper facility. It's dear. It's the cheapest and the best option for everybody. Yep, absolutely. Treatment yeah. and giving them something to do with the day which is purposeful and they get a sense of achievement and effectively keeps people out of mischief is mm. the other side of it. And then related to that, in England apparently, England doesn't really use solitary confinement, which I found interesting. It's massive in the States, mm. but quite um, rare in England. And they've gone the complete opposite. So they're... The English model is, it's counterintuitive, but if you give prisoners more control, you have less problems because then every interaction doesn't become a test or a battle of wills that can lead to problems. So they house people in smaller groups of like 10 and they have they can earn privileges by doing the right thing. And therefore, it's much more positive. There's more control for the prisoners and they have less violence because there's less moments of kind of, um, you know, coercion and and oppositional behavior so there's a few little glimmers of hope there that we can treat our prisoners with some basic human rights which sounds yeah quite nice i think that's uh that's all i've got you you have anything else did we mention that we got an email is that do we have we covered that not not enough <laughs> I think we need to. it's almost a separate topic <laughs> <laughs> we got an email what's that about what is that about <laughs> no. Thanks, thanks, Halsey. Do appreciate it. Now, I know there's a few of you out there, a few regular listeners that haven't taken the time to, to reach out to us. Hit us up on the Facebook page. Hit us up at what's that about at outlook.com and just say hi, just like Halsey did. <laughs> Halsey. I'm changing the nickname. You're very, Halsey. You're very familiar with Halsey now. Ah, me and H go way back. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I re- we really appreciated it. And what we really want, really appreciate any, any contact from anyone, but... <laughs> Episode suggestions would be excellent because um, we are running dry. It's been five years. <laughs> the well is well and truly empty. Do you still have that? You used to have like a special suggestion box on the website. Is that gone now? We don't even have a website the, anymore, do we? No, the website's gone due to... Listen, I'm not going to say it's due to lack of visitors. No, it crashed. But it crashed. If anything. <laughs> crashed. It went viral and couldn't keep up with the demand. 
Alrighty, that is the episode done. Thank you for listening and we will catch you next time. See you next week. Thank you.